Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tenick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> you like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Still Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Stop Hammer Time. Uh, my name is Phil Whelans and uh, with me uh, still from our last podcast we did are Jim Grant. Hello, Hello. Jim. Uh, Hello. Steve Rapport in California. Hello, Steve. And Jeff Turner. All right, Phil. Lads, how has your, uh, how has your uh, lockdown been? Steve, you, uh, you're, uh, you are a martial arts instructor of uh, uh, um, kickboxing and taekwondo. Uh, that's obviously, uh, is that... If you managed to do anything like that on Zoom, I know a lot of people who teach. Blimey. Jim, you've taught on Zoom, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, been, I've been teaching online for a year and a half. Right. And um, actually, lost my gym in San Francisco. I got sued by the landlord for all the COVID back rents. That fucker. Um, really? Yeah. So um, I ended up having to give the gym up, um, and I'm teaching three Taekwondo classes a week now in person at a small Pilates studio in San Francisco. And I've lost nearly all the students, so, you know, it's, it feels like it's kind of dying a death. But at the same time, my photography's kind of kicked back in again. I've got a gallery now called Mostly Rock and Roll Gallery in Pacifica, California, where I live. Yeah. And I'm, doing, and I'm trying to get back into uh, rock and roll photography in some small way. Uh, well, it's, a, it's sort of a huge way. It's like you sort of discovered a kind of... Um suitcase full of transparencies or negatives or something and started printing them again because some of those photos are extraordinary from um, those ones of Joe Strummer doing uh, the uh, London Marathon. Or is it the Paris Marathon? London, 83. London. Yeah, yeah. April 17th, 1983. Yeah. Uh, to like Live Aid, to all those ones of the Bunny Man. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary 
cache of photographs. And, uh, can yeah. I tell you an amazing? Can I tell you an amazing uh, couple of stories about Damon Minchella? You, you all know who Damon Minchella is? No. He was a bass player in the Ocean Colour scene for fifteen years. Oh, okay. And, and he played with uh, with Mr. Weller for twelve years. He played with Paul Weller's band while he was in right. Ocean Colour scene. So does that set this? Does that set a scene? Is this worth it pursuing? Does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Um, so listening to a podcast, uh, there's a journalist called Dan Jennings, who's a huge uh, Paul Weller fan. And he was a radio journalist for a long time. And then he quit and went on to do other stuff. And his biggest regret was he never got to interview Paul Weller. So he started a podcast called Desperately Seeking Paul, which I describe as like, if you're, if you're, if you're the FBI and you're going after a mob or, or a um, government and White House cabal with a bunch of criminals in it, you start on the perimeter and, you know, you get someone to flip on the blokes, you know, in the smaller circles till you get to the yeah. head honcho, right? And that's what he's doing with this podcast. People like me, I was like, like the 11th podcast talking about my, you know, Weller and Star Council and Jam Picks and everything. And then gradually he's interviewed Mick Talbot now and uh, Rick Buckler and he's getting closer to Weller. Yeah, yeah. So, so, Damon, uh, so Damon was about the 40th, 40th or 42nd interview. So... Very famous, very highly regarded bass player. He, he's funny as fuck. I mean, he, he is really, really funny. I just did um, an Instagram live with him a couple of weeks ago, and he had me in stitches. So I'm listening to his podcast with Dan, and Dan asks him, you know, what got you into music? How did you end up being a um, musician? And he says, and I'm searching for something while, we, while I tell you this. He said, well, it was Echo and the Bunnymen. It was, um, I heard this song called The Cutter on the radio. And then the next day, I opened my sister's uh, smash hits and it had this picture of the bunny men in it. And I thought, that's my band and that's what I want to do with my life. So I'm listening to that, sitting on the couch. I'm always doing at least two or three things at once. So I'm listening to that and I'm on Twitter on my phone and I see Les Pattinson, who was the original bass player in a bunny yeah. man, just tweeted. And this is significant because he hasn't been on Twitter for six years and he just posted this nice pic from us. He lives in Australia now, Victoria, posted this nice pic of, of the porch of his house. And I thought, oh, blimey, I'm listening to the Bunnymen. There's Les from the Bunnymen. He's just come back on Twitter. The very first person responding was Damon Minchella. So I'm like, wait, that's the same, that's the same <laughs> bloke. And then I looked up the, um, the Bunnymen. I have all these um, online uh, digital copies of Smash Hits, and I found this. So that's my pick of the bunny man taken outside right. St. Anne's Church in Dublin in 83 and um, the lyrics from the cutter. And I send that to Damon Michelle and he says, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the one. That was the picture I saw in Smash Hits. Oh, wow. Oh, amazing. So, so then Damon says, it turns out that Damon is really good mates with Les Pattinson. Like there's some kind of, you know. Bass players player, union. Bass player collective, bass player yeah. union, exactly. And then, and then it turns out that Mac, when, when Les quit the band in the 90s, Ian McCulloch actually asked Damon if he wanted to join the band, if he wanted to join the Bunnymen. Oh, wow, yeah. Sorry, that fucking hedge cutter, wind blower thing next to him. Let's shut the door. Every fucking Tuesday. <laughs> drives me nuts. Um, so he turned him down because, um, let's say, Mac had some prodigious habits that he didn't think would make for good... Uh, yeah, band uh, relations. A good, a good life choice. Wow. So anyway, I, I invited Damon to have a chat with me on Instagram, and I'm going to tell you two stories that he told because they're really funny, and they involve some swearing. So 
you know, been warned. So picture this. You know the um, – oh, so, so Paul Weller is about to sign this huge deal with Richard Branson. And they're in the studio – and, uh, and, and Branson's coming to, to, to you know, shake hands and, and complete this deal. And it's probably like millions and millions and millions and millions of pound deal, right? So Damon is talking to Weller. Damon's, got, Damon's looking out and Weller's got his back to the door. And Kenny Wheeler, who was Paul Weller's road manager, is in the other room between Weller and the front door of wherever they are, supposed to say, Oh, hello, Mr. Branson. Let me just get Mr. Weller for you. Hello, Mr. Weller. Mr. Branson's here for you. So that's what's supposed to happen. So Weller is going, fucking Branson. He's a fucking cunt. That fucking Branson. I don't know, fucking Virgin. Let's do a fucking deal with Virgin. Fucking bunch of cunts. And while this is going on, Damon is like this. (laughs) He's giving him the eye and, um, and Weller's not getting it. And then... Weller gets this tap on the shoulder and he looks around and Richard Branson says, hello, Paul, I'm Richard Branson. I suppose we won't be doing that, that deal then and just and walks out. And that oh, was it. Yeah. And apparently Kenny Wheeler was asleep on the couch in the other room. So, so Branson just like, walked right past him. Wow. Anyway, so one more. Uh, Paul McCartney. So you know the uh, Come Together album? Where yeah. Everyone was recording yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Beatles song. So they're in Abbey Road. It's a charity recording. thing, wasn't it? Charity thing, yeah. So who was it? Like the Gallaghers, and yeah. um, I think maybe even Keith Richards was there, and Weller's there, and Damon Minchella is there, and Paul yeah. McCartney is there. So Paul McCartney is in another in the other studio, and he's laying down this guitar track, and um, and he does this really brilliant guitar track, and then he says, uh, "How was that? Was that all right?" And uh, and Minchella's the first one on the headset. He's the first one to intercept this, and he says. No, it's fucking rubbish. Do it again. And, and then Paul McCartney says, oh, I thought it was quite good. <laughs> that's, the, that's the story. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Jeff, are you, uh, are you, what's, what were you doing in um, lockdown? You're doing some spoken word stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I, I've, I've been doing loads. I mean, mainly, uh, a lot of the time, uh, obviously, I love my fitness and I'm a boxing fan too. I mean, I was a successful amateur boxer, England international, schoolboy yeah. champion, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the Peacock Gym. I've been training and uh, we've got a little place called the Death Pit, like over in the park in Hornchurch where we go and like we get it on and we spar. And I train the Billy Dodge, bringing a few white collar fighters through. Right. So I've been busy training with them, sparring with them, getting things to that. I've got a few spoken word gigs. I've recorded an album, which is coming out next year. And, uh, uh, and tons of gigs cancelled like, over the last yeah, yeah, eight yeah. months. But I, I, I've kept busy, yeah, kept out with playing tennis, running, you name it. Like. What's the album? Is that a Cockney Rejects album? or? A... Yeah, no, Rejects album, yeah. yeah. Great, great. I get a show. It's coming out on Cadiz Records in, uh, next year. Like, so we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, you've got to hold it back because you need the tour. I've got got about 12, 14 gigs booked on the UK tour. Oh, November, good. December this year. But I'll be honest with you, Phil, I, I don't, don't think they'll happen, mate. I, I can't see it, like, you know what I mean? I can't see it happening because oh. uh, I just think we'll all be back on the bus again come November. Do you think so? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, oh. I just see it, you know what I mean? This variant and that variant and, yeah. you know. 
Now they've all had their summer holidays, all the MPs, you know what I mean, gone to their second homes in France and all that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And they're respecting Parliament. I just think that I just think they put us under the bosh again. Like, oh, I mean, I, I, I was lucky to play a gig. Um, I played the Winter Gardens three weeks ago, um, which was an all day a rebellion festival. It's the biggest punk festival. It usually yeah. goes over four days, but it, um, they just done a one day. They actually arranged it, and I think uh, in the Empress Ballroom there was only allowed three thousand people in there. Like, so it was good to get back on stage again because yeah. I honestly thought. Ten months ago, I thought you might not ever do it again. You know, no, everyone's getting on there, everyone's jogging on and getting old, and it's quite funny being there. You know what I mean? A lot of geriatric punks, like you know what I mean, the seventy-five-year-old skinheads and walking sticks. Yeah. But it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, if if tours don't happen, the band never got to play again. I'll always keep myself busy anyway, Phil. You know, yeah. As I say, I'll start my stand-up tour next week. Like I'll start That's in good. Newcastle. Uh, then I've got Glasgow and Dundee, so I'll just be happy to make it fucking home alive. Going to yeah, three places good. like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't know what to expect. I ain't rehearsing that thing. I'll just go and wing it. Like, right, right. See how we get on. <laughs> so That's why so, Henry, yeah. oh, Henry oh, Rollins oh. did that, didn't he? You know, uh, after when he was doing um, when he was doing the Rollins band after Black Flag, he started doing kind of spoken word sort of tours yeah. on his own. Well, well, and now I've that's done, a real thing, isn't it? I've, I've done one. I was like press ganged into it uh, um, at the West uh, East End Working Men's Club next to the um, next to the old chicken run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. East End, uh, yeah. He asked me to do one, Gary Bushel. So I said, "All right, I'll do it." We did twenty minutes each. Right. right. He let the stage to the sound of his own footsteps. He did. It. He, he, he rehearsed everything. You know what I mean? I said, "I right. ain't rehearsing nothing," and it went well. I just went up there, give it some spill for twenty minutes. Then uh, after that, there was a question and answer session, which went really well until the last question. Uh, Geezer got a bit out of his pram, I stuck it on him. And uh, my family had a row with his family and the old Bill turned up. So it was a good night. And I thought, I'm not going to do this ever again. And uh, it just said, next week, I'm doing it in Newcastle. Like, so it, yeah. So Geezer just got, uh, he just got out of his pram about a certain question, you know what I mean? And he come right. down, and, uh, you know, everyone's got, you pay your money, you take your choice. But he got a bit saucy, right? Got a slap <laughs> round the boat, and then all of a sudden it all kicked off. He's like the Wild West. And they had a buzzer straight through the old Bill shot, pressing it like that. So it was, you know, that I thought uh, that you'd then there. But, uh, yeah, the demands there to do it. There was no gigs happening, so I sucked yeah. it myself. That sounds great. That sounds yeah. great. That sounds like the perfect night. A kind of bit of stand-up comedy, <laughs> sort of a fantastic night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that. That's old-fashioned. That's the entertainment that we made for ourselves in the old days. That's the proper. That's how to have a. That's a night out. That is a lovely. That's night. an East End night out. That really that is. Yeah, yeah. That really is a good night out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quit on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Steve, are you um are you are you watching games uh, anywhere particular in San Francisco? No, just in my house. Right, right. Just with every game here. But back in the day, you know, you used to go to the pub to watch games, but everything's on, every, every game's on live over here. So, yeah. Um, as you get to see every game, which is, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to them, which is a bit scary. There are feelings that I have about West Ham that I've never had before. It, yeah. It's, after all these years of watching them, this is, this is like coming up for 60 years of watching them. 62 was my first game. And, and I just can't believe that I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Um, yeah. And actually expecting us to be good instead of expecting, like, oh, shit, 
we're, we're, we're away to Man City. We're going to get you're going to get pasted. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a massive irony, wasn't it, last season that we did have that terrific sort of that whole season was a real adventure, wasn't it? From, from, from you know, quite chatty wins, that sort of 1-0 against Sheffield United and stuff. But you never felt that we sort of didn't kind of deserve those wins. They were sort of like, you felt that we rode our luck and, uh, you know, the 1-0 against Fulham where they missed a penalty at the end, you know. and uh, but then Oh, that penalty. Got, yeah. That penalty, that like... What the fuck did you just do? Penalty? Yeah, yeah, Look, yeah. Man, extraordinary. He's been good in that game. Yeah, he's gone. Has he gone? He's gone to. Is it Everton or? Yeah, he's gone somewhere today, hasn't he? Yeah, he has online. He, yeah, because yeah. he wasn't owned by Fulham, was he? Um, so, Steve, where where do you? I mean, it might even be sort of too early days. Where do you put Moyes in the panoply of of managers? How how do you see him measuring up against you know? Yeah, Greenwood and Lyles and, and so on. Can we breathe him in the same breath as those yet? Probably not. I, I, think, I don't know. I think, I think we can. But there was an arc for those other managers. You know, everyone loves John Lyle and holds him very dear in their heart. But we were very anti-Lyle by the time he yeah. um, left doing the fanzine because yeah. it was clear to us doing the fanzine that we were going to get relegated if we didn't get rid of Lyle. And, yes. you know... You can't rest on past glories, and as great a man as he was, he'd really lost the plot. Sorry, was that? Oh, just there was that midweek uh, League Cup game against Liverpool, which would be in probably February or March, and we actually really needed to lose it. Looking back, and we won four <laughs> one. It was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. My car got broken into uh, near the ground, but oh right, um, but uh, and we got stuck, and we couldn't. It was one of those gridlocks where everyone's coming in those small streets oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and no one yeah. moved for like yeah. half an hour. But all that aside, it was an absolutely brilliant night. But that's that cemented his job. I think it was a quarterfinal yeah. before it put us in the quarterfinals. And we got I relegated. We, we did yeah. actually get relegated. Yeah. Warning. That was no, November 88, that was. November 88. I took a... It was a brilliant... It's one of my favourite ever Upton Park nights. I, I took a, um, uh, a fellow teacher, but a Kiwi who was on exchange to his first ever... Um, top flight English game that, that yeah, and uh, he absolutely loved it. He was a rugby rugby man, as you can imagine, from New Zealand. But he absolutely loved this sport, and he he was just bowled over. What a night! I I, I I had to teach the next morning, and I literally couldn't speak. I lost my voice, so it's kind of do the lessons by by uh, by sign language. And that was kind of Devonshire's swan song that night as well, wasn't he? He was brilliant that night, but you know his star was. But yeah, there was a massive. Lyle out sprayed at the South Bank end, wasn't there, for a, for a while. And I don't know if yeah, that was actually we were, we were, we were yeah. behind that. I kind of feel bad about it now because he was such a great hammer. Um, yeah. But, but I, think, I think Moyes is already... Remember that one year under Pardew when we were amazing? When yeah, we yes. had, uh, I think it was when we had uh, Craig Bellamy. And, and Bellamy was so fast. That's later. That, that's, no, that's curbishly, curbishly yeah, going curbishly into Zola. Zola. Was that... Yeah. Oh, okay. I seem to remember under under Pardew, we had one amazing year. It might have even been when we were in the. It was the cup. It was the first year up. Said first year up. Five six. Yeah. Two thousand five six. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we kept going one nil down and kept beating teams two one, like Everton away and and places where you don't yeah. normally win. Then, but then, um, who broke his leg and then we were never the same again? Um, was that when we had uh, uh, Scott Parker? No, no, that's no. Uh, he's before no, that. Sort of, I think midfield's Rio Coco yeah. and Mullins, and up yes. front is like yes. Harewood and Harewood yeah. and um, and then, then Aura and um, 
Teddy Sheringham. And, and then Ashton came in. Pardew signed Ashton, I think, from Norwich. Yeah. And uh, Ashton had his, uh, after Pardew gone, Ashton had his ankle done by, um, was it Wright Phillips on, on England? G? I think it was, a, it was one of those England injuries. Um, and yeah, never really came back. Came back from so who it, was it who broke his in? Nigeria Coca? Uh, Kieran Dyer broke his leg when he when he when he came yeah, to the club. He never really played for um, us. Not really. No. Um, no, something happened to Rio Coca. He was like really driving that midfield. Um, yeah. Up and down, well, he, he yeah, and then he hurt, we, he hurt himself, and then it just it just upset the balance of the team, and and then Pardew got in all that shit with uh, you know when he when he got rid of uh, you know sleeping with someone's wife and yeah and yeah. Then, yeah then he got yeah, rid yeah, of him yeah. and then. And that all fell apart. Anyway, my point really is we've had odd seasons where we've had, you know, a really good season. But Moyes, more than anyone else, seems to have a really clear idea of what he's doing yes. and what he's trying to do. And he's actually doing it. So, you know, yes. first off, he came in and he shored up the defence and then he got people to buy into whatever he was selling and then he got the players to do what he wanted to do. And now he's got cohesion to where we're watching and it's not like, every other week or every three weeks we have a brilliant display and then we revert to West Ham. We expect to play like this every week now. Yeah. And yeah. do you ever remember that before? Ever? No. Literally no, ever. to be honest, I don't. And I, I, I'm coming to the same conclusion that I, I just don't think we've had a better manager in my, in my, in my time. Um, I love Ron Greenwood for the philosophy, for the gentlemanliness, for the love of the game and the understanding of the game and the, the culture around the club that he established, the idea that you just you played football to try and score more goals than the other the other team, you know, he he was he was a kind of guru of football in in many ways, I thought. Um, but we did underachieve under him. You, you, in the end, you know, we we had you know fantastic. But a lot of it is down to boards not backing managers, isn't it? We've we've had a such a history of. Of building something, even Redknapp, who had his flaws, built a team, didn't he? Yeah. Riding on the back of a good youth uh, generation, you know, a bit of a golden generation with 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 Ferdinand and, and, and Lampard, and then Carrick and Cole, Glenn Johnson, and so on, um, mm. coming through later. But um, you know, we never built on that. We didn't, you know, we didn't build on it. We didn't capitalise on it. And it, it feels like with Moyes, you've got someone who. As you say, it's got a, it's got a, it's got a strategic way of, of thinking, as well as being a good coach and getting the best out of players. He's also got a medium to long term plan that is kind of resilient to the whims of owners. You know, it's it's he uh, doesn't need huge amounts of money to be able to deliver what what he's planning to deliver. No, no, um, Jeff. What's your sort of golden era of West Ham for you? Old near West Ham to me, it's got to be, I think, when we went down in 19, uh, 1978. Yeah, uh, when Liverpool beat us on the last, I think, between 78 and we was in second division, yeah. I would say to, to 1981, 82. I think the team, when we won the FA Cup, when we got yeah. to the League Cup final, we won the old second division. It was in a two-point system, but it was under the record amount of points, you know. When, when we, you know, Brooking Bonds, Martin, Devin Shearer and his pump, uh, yeah. David Cross. Uh, Jimmy uh, come Just around then, Alvin Martin. I thought we had a fantastic team then. And, uh, you know, get the, to win an FA Cup and then get to a League Cup, 
the following yeah. season while still outside the top flight. It yeah. was a fantastic achievement and they played fantastic football, you know. I absolutely yeah, yeah. loved that team. Devon Shearer made me favourite all-time player. Yeah. That, that team you've just listed, that was an astonishing team for a second division team, wasn't it? It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Jim. Yeah, you, you know, uh, and then it didn't stop people like Brooking, you know what I mean, nice. being called up for England. It, it, no, you know, he didn't move anywhere. He didn't go. No, that was a fan, fantastic it, team it, to watch. It helped then. That, that it actually helped that Greenwood was the England manager around then, wasn't it? Because I think he yeah, kind of gave him did, a yeah. He, he took over and Rebbe, didn't picking. he, in about 77, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, and obviously, like, you know, he had the... I still think if Brooklyn had been fit in 82 and, and Keegan was a better, uh, uh, you know, they got yeah. injured and they come back. Like, yeah. we would have had a good shout of winning that, you know? Yeah. They, they yeah. played fantastically well together. That, that was a great West Ham team and they got, got great memories of all that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, we should have yeah. kicked it. As you say in there, Jim, you, you say in early and so we never, ever, ever built from that. We never, we, we never no. really, you know, ever kicked on. West Ham's a massive club, mate. We're as big as yeah. anyone in London. No we doubt about it. Massive. We are fucking massive. Fucking massive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 85, 86 was the same thing. You know, what a brilliant, brilliant yes, year. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think I probably went to every game that year. And you remember, there was no TV until December. So That's right. when, when, when McAvenny was scoring yeah. twice every week, it was never on telly. So no, people don't yeah. know how brilliant we were. That, and then it came back and then we demolished Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Maybe the best performance I've ever seen in the league from West Ham. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was but, but, but again, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, oh, it was so spectacular. Cotty and McAvenny were just tearing defenses yeah. apart, and Devonshire scored a brilliant goal in that game. Yeah, um, yeah. But but again, you know what happened the next year? We yeah. never built. But now it seems like number one, they're attracting really good quality players, like you've just been talking about. Mm. Number two. I don't ever remember seeing the camaraderie, the wackiness no. and the camaraderie no. that we're seeing now. Like Declan Rice is, is, a, is a, a wacky geezer, right? Yeah. But yeah. He, he seems to love playing for West Ham. I know he, there are all these rumours about him going, but all through the summer, you know, when he was away with England, he just, he seems like such a hammer and he seems to be having so much fun. And Antonio and even Zuma, the things he's been posting the last couple of days have been, like, he seems wacky enough to really fit in with that team. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, the Czech boy. Yeah. I mean, the Czech boys are great, aren't they? I mean, they're, oh, like, yeah. they're, clearly, they're clearly big characters. They clearly fucking love playing, you know. And I think they've just come and they've met, you know, these guys really do sort of bolster each other up, you know. It's like they're, they're, they play for each other. And I think, they, you know, they really like each other. Four hours is just, you know, apparently he's that whole band celebration where <clears throat> Declan's pretending to play the drums and whatever and Jesse's playing the saxophone and stuff. That was for now's his idea was to do yeah, that yeah, celebration. Yeah, Phil, I just saw uh, uh, say, mate, so, uh, Jim, Steve, I've got a skedaddle. I've got something come up like that. I've got to, uh, I've got to sort out, okay, mate? All right, mate. Like, yeah, does yeah. Involve, it's been a pleasure involve... as always, but uh, I can't leave it. I've got my missus in my ear roll. All right, mate. Okay, Jeff. Well, yeah. we're probably going to wrap up fairly soon anyway, but uh, thanks a lot, Jeff, and we'll see yeah, you at the brilliant. next one yeah, of these. Yeah, good, good to see you, All the best, Steve. All the best, Jim. You too, Love mate. Thank you, Steve. And, and come Cheers, in your irons. Let's hope yes. you have a good season, yeah? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Cheers, Jeff. Ta-da. All right. Ta-da, see mate. you later. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Has he brilliant. gone?
Yeah, one awful man. What an awful man. Yeah, yeah. You're inviting a slap, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was, uh, I mean, that was the sort of thing about the falling away of, of John Lyle, wasn't it? Was you were sort of going, is it, is he, you know, becoming a worse manager or are they just not buying any new fucking players to replace the boys of 86? You know, once we sold uh, um, McAvenny to Celtic and they're sort of, you know, the the um, the team was starting to kind of sort of disband slightly. You were, you know, you had Ince coming through and then we went down yeah. in 89. And so yeah. Ince went, you know, and regardless of whether people think he was a sort of traitor, well, we got relegated. So that's why he went, you know, it wasn't, you know, we ended up playing for Manchester United because... Well, so with, with McAvenny... From what I remember, there was no way to keep him, was there? Because it was Celtic. Yeah, it was Celtic. that's right. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that that's going to happen, isn't it? I mean, yeah, because you know, he um, loves. Celtic. I mean, he was a boyhood yeah. Celtic fan. He loved yeah. Celtic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and what a I fucking think, great I think, player! You know, yeah, Celtic, Celtic were a massive club then, in a way that they are now. I mean, I think no, you know, yeah, Scottish. Yeah. Oh, um, do you remember though that that um, McAvenny was being used as a sub because we had that in the fanzine? Remember, we put him on the cover with a picture of a submarine. Don't call me super sub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did that with Tevez as well. Yeah. Tevez the cord- on the yeah. bench, unbelievable. Mascherano the gorgeous on and the pouting bench. Frank McAvenny like used to call him, didn't you? In fortune, was that? Yeah. The gorgeous and pouting Frank McAvenny used to call yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Fortune. How, how did he end up being a super sub? Oh, I don't know, yeah. but I think, I think those Argentinians. I mean, that the whole, you know, the whole dodgy finances around all that, and and the fact that they, you know, they didn't really know what was going on. They they, they were almost like being trafficked in a way, weren't they? I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, you know, um, Mascherano had no interest in being at, at West Ham at all, and and you know, in the end, not not clearly not a better footballer, but in terms of what he was. Were prepared to contribute to the team. Yeah, we were better off with Mullins in that in that holding midfield position. I mean, Tevez kind of got it in the end, but not really. I mean, he was injured for a lot of that season. Actually, he had a knee injury. Mm. But um, yeah, Tevez didn't really start playing till well over halfway through that season on a regular basis, did he? I mean, it was no. You know, there was all that kerfuffle about how he kept us up or whatever. But you know, that, that it wasn't just him. And, and uh, no. you know, he scored seven goals. A lot of the time. He, he'd yeah. come on in the 70th or 80th minute, Carlos yeah. Tevez. Yeah. And then, and then Mascherano couldn't get a game. So I don't know whether, it, you know, it's chicken and egg. I don't well, know whether... It's a very strange... I think there was a lot of sort of conflating factors because Pardew was, you know, he obviously, you know, had these problems. Like apparently he came in being a bit Billy Big Bollocks because he'd finished 10th the previous season and, you know, got them to the FA Cup final. So he turned up in a kind of sports car at the beginning of the following season and, you know, was obviously had this kind of shaggy thing uh, with uh, allegedly Carl Fletcher's wife and uh, various members of the sort of staff of West Ham United. And um, I don't think he saw the dropping off of Nigel Rio Coca's form. And when Mascherano came, Mascherano came in, he should have played him with Mullins and dropped Rio Coca, 
whose form was falling off a cliff. But because Rio Coca was his boy, he was his signing, he'd made him his captain. He kept Rio Coca and um, played him with Mascherano. And uh, it was like a sort of Jenga tower falling over. I think Mullins and Mascherano would have done a better job. But it, well, it, it clearly ended up... So, well, it just clearly dis- disrupted the whole... You know, he, he, they, they were sort of, you know, marauding band of pirates in 2005-06, weren't they? You know, yeah. over, 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 you know, upsetting the odds in the Premier League and, and had a sense of togetherness. It all went to some of their heads. And then suddenly you have parachuted in these two superstar footballers, you know, that you haven't... You know, it just clearly skewed the whole thing. It's, it's, it, it makes you realise that, you know, building a team is so much more than just having expensive or good, you know, brilliant footballers at your disposal. And that's what impresses me most about Moyes in, in some ways, is that there's a sense that, you know, that there's a profile to the players who come in. You sense that they've been quite carefully tracked and followed. He often does the business late in the window, but that, I think, is about getting bargain prices, I suspect, as much as anything else. But, you know, you, like you say, Zuma, automatically, already Zuma comes across as the right guy for West Ham now. Yeah. Um, and I feel, you know, clearly they wanted to bring Lingard back because he did fit the mould. But when they couldn't get him, you know, oh, we've got this guy in Vlasic who's suddenly lined up. You know, that that just hasn't happened overnight, has it? That's clearly been planned. That's a plan B if you don't get the man you really want. Yeah. What's that, um, what's that phenomenon called? Someone mentioned last season that when Lingard came and he scored all those like eight goals in eight games, and then tailed off towards the end of the season, kind of drifted out of games. There's there's a name for there's an actual phenomenon, a known phenomenon with athletes right. where you know you're underappreciated or not appreciated, or your career's going nowhere at your club, and then you go or wherever you are, and then you go somewhere else, and then you want to prove yourself, and you go through this period where you're like superhuman for a couple of months, yeah. and then you revert to mean after that, and and then you're never quite that brilliant again. And it certainly seemed. I mean, I wondered if that was true because I remember reading that and then right around that time, sure enough, Lingard started dropping yeah. off yeah. and wasn't quite the same player that he was at the beginning. And, and I wonder if he just dazzled us or bedazzled us and there's a reason why he's on the bench and not, yeah. you know, in general. Maybe. I mean, I think his mean was still pretty good. I mean, I It was pretty good, he, yeah. It didn't drop off to the point of, you know, stinking the place out or anything. You know, it's no, just, no. yeah, right. I think he came to us with... A real sense of something to prove and a goal. You know, I want to get in that England squad. I want to show Manchester United that they've made a mistake in, in, in you know. And we couldn't believe just how just how fast he started because, you know, he hadn't played much at all. No. So and how thought, fast oh, he was as well. How fast and he was the ball. On. Yeah. And he was an athlete as well, wasn't he? He looked yeah, about twice. in that Aston Villa game. Day. He looked about twice the size of like the rest of our yeah. front players, except for Antonio. Obviously, he genuinely looked like a kind of man among boys, and was yeah. like, you know, and um, the shot was really hard. The, the, he had a really hard shot, didn't he? It was like it was, uh, uh, the goalkeeper gets a hand to the second one, I think, but it just still goes in. Well, he looked like a professional footballer. Yeah. He really looked like, oh, my God, this is someone who can really play football. Yes. And I, yeah. I didn't have to explain it, just he was on another level to most of our players, and we got really good players. Yeah. I mean, he looked, yeah. he looked like, on one level, he looked like a man possessed, as I say, with this kind of fire. But at the same time, it also felt uh, almost like, some, like, like, a, like, a, like a, um, a caged animal had been let free. It, it, yeah. He played with such a kind of joyous freedom. 
uh, that goal, you know, the, the goal against Wolves, and and also the run where he sets Bowen up against Wolves, just a brilliant play. I mean, absolutely, yeah, yeah. brilliant that goal. Yeah, dynamic. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always uh, yeah. really liked him. You know, when he first but he, broke he also seems it seems like he really fit in with that. You know, with Declan and, and Antonio, and yeah. they seem like really good mates. You know, I follow them on Instagram and Twitter, and they're all. You know, Jesse seems like a part of their gang as well. That's, yeah. that's why I was kind of surprised that we didn't end up with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we might, yeah. I mean, I, I, I we might, yeah, because I think you know, with with. He's going to even be further down the pecking order with Sancho coming in. I uh, know James is being sold, but and Ronaldo, um, then Ronaldo, Ronaldo coming. You know, back. he's yeah. he's completely overshadowed. So there's a real likelihood he's not going to get even on the bench some some of the time, mm. and you maybe can't could see him getting any any again. football. So where's maybe he going to be? Maybe we could loan him out again. So I yeah. think maybe it wouldn't surprise us. I think if we if we qualify from the group in the Europa League, you know, first or second, so we're so we're into the, the knockout stuff. Um, it would not surprise me, particularly if you pick up an injury or two for for, for us to go for him with loans option to buy in uh, in January again. That would not be a surprise, I don't think. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think you're right, Steve. I, I think that... Um, you know, there's there's a, a silver lining to not getting Lingard because I think Ben Rama will get more um, yep. game time. You know, and um, I think Ben Rama is is the one that is less feels like a finished the finished article. You know, uh, Bowen. I think you know is is Bowen is incredibly confident, whereas I think Ben Rama is a little bit more of a sort of. Uh, a confidence player, you know, and uh, I think more responsibility he's given, uh, the better he'll be. You know, he needs to see a lot of the ball, I think, because, you know, he's a little bit of a kind of, you know, magician. And um, he sees those through passes. He sees playing balls into channels, you know, all that sort of stuff. And for that to happen, you've got to give that guy the ball a lot. Like Devonshire was given the ball a lot, you know, um, and, yeah, uh, I think that's right. You know, I think he's going to be a major, right. major star for us. I really do. I think eventually, if he stays and if he keeps doing what he's doing, you'll talk about him like Decania. Like he's got yeah. skills on the ball that we haven't had for a long time. Well, probably since Payet, at least. Yeah. Um, but he can do a lot of what Payet could do. Um, Payet was just a dream. I, I still can't believe we didn't talk about that. I, I just can't believe no. that happened. No, that no, time no. when he was there was so magical that's as well. That's great. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Same again, then, though. That, that's the same story. You know, end of that season, we've got the best player in Europe playing for us. We've got a great team spirit again. Um, uh, you know, Bilic, Bilic you know, has, has, has built a feel-good factor. The whole move, you know, that had to be... that. that the failure of that transfer window uh, is, is you yeah. know, one of the... In the um, recent history of the club is... It, it, it was a disaster, wasn't it? It was catastrophic because it, it, it the knock-on effect of it, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch in terms of discontent with fans and a sort of sense of betrayal by the owners and so on, all those things that were all kind of there lurking around the move were, you know, compounded by the fact that they'd failed to build on what was evidently, yeah. you know, a top-half team. 
There um, is uh, there's a podcast that came out recently about Dimitri Payet. Um, it, I got it through, through the BBC Sounds app. I can't remember what it was called. Quite short, but um, you know, people like Julian Dix talk in it and stuff. And and they sort of said that he um, uh, in that first season, the Olympic Stadium, compared to the previous season. He lost in. He's just on his tablet in the dressing room. He'd lost interest. They were saying there was a bit of nature nurture because he, um, similarly, a bit like Decanio, getting pissed off when they uh, appointed a new manager from within rather than getting you know someone you know a little bit better to manage the team. Pae was looking at Fagule, Torre, you know um, Jonathan Caleri, Ashley Fletcher going. Who are these guys? You know, these guys are, you know, not good guys. Uh, You haven't strengthened the team and you're moving into this massive stadium. It's like, so he, you know, he was losing interest anyway. And the the players they bought in didn't help that at all. He felt that, like, you you know, the club had no ambition. Yeah, the season before he was so into it. He was so into it. Yeah. That was what, that's why we loved him so much because... The song, you know, other people sing that song, but all those spilt beers under the yeah. under the terracing, you know, yeah, where yeah. all those videos of just people yeah, going yeah. wild in pubs and in uh, away games and just, yeah, it was great, it was brilliant. Just yeah, spilling yeah. their beer everywhere. Cockneys don't do that for, for just anyone. No, that's it's right. Beer everywhere every week, you know. Um, and that was anyway, the, I, I really, was that, that was the kind of, that was the second of kind of three times when. Uh, as we've talked about, um, if we went a goal behind, you just went, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. I remember Palace scoring against us in that uh, 2015-16 season quite early in the game and just going, you literally, the words, um, and Palace's lead was to only last (laughs) so-and-so minutes from a match commentary, just came straight into my head. You just went, oh yeah, well, we'll get one back in a minute. You know, wasn't you, it against you know, Palace? Wasn't it against Palace that Pyatt scored the free kick that actually turned left at the end? Uh, yeah, it defies the laws of physics, that free yeah, kick, yeah, doesn't it? It's yeah. unbelievable. I, I, yeah. I, I don't have the words for that. At, at no. the time, watching it over and over, I mean, there was the one he scored no. for France that was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that one, but that one where the ball took a left, like the goalie was going, it's like, that's going wide and he's right there. And then yeah. he just decided to take a left turn, made an, yeah. you know, signal, you know, look, signal, <laughs> yeah. manoeuvre, yeah. and just boom. Yeah. It's a bit like the Tevez one against uh, Spurs in that you don't think he's got enough room to get it. It's too close to the goal. You don't think he can get it up and down quick enough. Because, like, the defenders, the Palace defenders are really tall. So the ball goes, you know, it looks like its trajectory is that it's going to just end up in Rosette, you know, because it's... He's hitting it so high up, and it just comes back down instantly. Oh, plus, the goal was on that side of the goal, and he had yeah, the ball yeah. was quite. A, it, it was travelling for a long time. He's like, yeah, yeah. why yeah, did he not save it? Well, it wasn't going in. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, one of the defenders apparently went see ya to the ball because just because it was, looked like it was going to go miles over. I've really got to run. I've got a, a job to do this afternoon. Yeah. I have some lunch first. So, um, all right, Steve. Well, uh, it's been so much fun. Nice to you see too. you again, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, Steve. I'm hoping to get over for um, to see Paul Weller next year, I think in April. Oh, great. Uh, when he's playing in London. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and hopefully I'll get to see the Hammers then as well. Fantastic. All yeah, right, good. cheers, Steve. See you next cheers, time. Mate. Thanks cheers. very much for the invite. I really appreciate it. No problem. Cheers. See you later, Steve. Okay.
Well, Jim, shall we? Uh, we should probably wrap this up. We um, probably should. Yes. 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 Um, all right. Well, uh, this has been Stop Hammer Time. Uh, my name is Phil Whelans. With me have been uh, Jim Grant. Come on, you are. Cheerio. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.